Sunshine Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you... Yes, you! ...in the game. game. Today we're going to look at the NFC South and the NFC East as we round off our season previews. We'll look forward to the opening game of the season, which is just 36-odd hours away. And we're going to be talking about all the latest news, plus Kaepernick. All of that coming up. This is The Gridiron Show. Welcome to the Grand Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you, yes, you. in the you game. Out there. You out there. All of you right out there. In the game. So we're going to be doing three shows over the next three days, and there's a lot to cram in. Um, we're going to be doing on the show uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about uh, the Colin Kaepernick-Nike deal. I did a couple of interviews on my show on TalkSport, one with Brian Gundell, who's a, a, a sports branding and design specialist on the Nike angle, and one with Robert Littal, who's the, um, the, head of, uh, the head of Black Sports Online. Um, and uh, yeah, fascinating conversation with those two. So we'll have that for you at the end of the podcast on the Kaepernick stuff. We'll preview the NFC East and the NFC South, and we'll talk about the opening game of the season. Uh, all the birds in action, the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Philadelphia Eagles Thursday night into Friday morning. And then over the two days after this, tomorrow, we'll have a podcast out with the heroes themselves, the Around the NFL podcast, all four of them in the studio. I'm even going to put... Eric Tamposi sat exactly where you are, Ollie. Oh. Tell her where her fader is on the desk and be like, if you want to get involved, just bang it up and have a chat. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. I might as well. Yeah, why not? Uh, She'll love that. Yeah, I reckon so. She does, it, like, you know, co-host of the broadcast. You're going to have to ask her if she remembers me. Yeah, well, she didn't when I emailed her. No. She said it was all a bit of a blur, but I, did, I don't think, like, I didn't go into a lot of depth. I was like, we met you after the Super Bowl. I didn't say you were f- in floods of tears and my friend came and consoled you and gave you a hug. But weren't you mentioned on, like, the Dave Damashek show or something? Don't know. I think, like, there was a conversation was about you on some of the, uh, like, about how Eric Tamposi was inconsolable and a random British man came and gave her a hug or something. No. I'm sure that was, I'm sure we talked about it sure at the time as well. That? Maybe I dreamed it. You might have dreamt that. I dreamt that you made an appearance on the day that... I mean, would that be the most pathetic and weird dream ever? Very possibly. Yeah, it's better than all the other dreams that you have. What do you mean? Well, you know. How do you know what my dreams are like? I know. Ridiculous. Uh, and there's some other bits of piece of news to get to. And then on Friday, we'll have a big uh, weekend preview show. We'll look back on the Thursday night game. So, so much gridiron show to fill your ears with over the next three days. Don't let yourself get behind. They're all going to be like, great. Like we did recording them. Is that <laughs> what you're saying? Well, last night we were going to record this podcast a day ago, but um, I totally forgot that my dad had bought tickets to go and see Ezra Furman at Brixton Academy. Who's Ezra Furman? Ezra Furman is um, a... Uh, singer-songwriter isn't a fair way to put it, because immediately you conjure up in your head some wanger with an acoustic guitar and God, really a string do. section and stuff. He is... Um, a, a singer songwriter but he is it's kind of doo-wop rock and roll he's a transvestite queer very forthright very out really interesting individual fantastic stage presence really like raucous kind okay. of slightly shambolic really good band though with a, a saxophonist and stuff and it was just Ooh. it was great it was really i mean i've seen him a few times before um but yeah, he was absolutely fantastic. He's one yeah. of my dad's favourites. So uh, yeah, my dad is sixty-six and cooler than me. He's got decent taste in music, your dad. He really Sorry does. You selling me before? He's in. He's introduced me to probably as many bands. Oh, hello. Getting a bit of Ezra Furman on. Did he play this? He did. Yeah. Did you know the words? I know them. Some of them. Did everybody else? And they were just going. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of kick. Yeah. Oh, this is all right, yeah. It kicks in, I should think. Yeah, he's fantastic. So this is Ezra Furman, you should go out and listen to it. Oh, you just as it was about to kick in, Ollie. Oh, was it? Why would you cut that out? Yeah, no, whatever. I, I skipped ahead to exactly the same part of the song. Well done, mate. Uh, this okay. isn't one of the more upbeat and crazy ones, but it's um, he's fantastic. So, yeah, that's what I did right. instead. Ezra Furman. Uh, oh, we were meant to be getting uh, Brian Billick on the show tonight as well, but he's not doing it anymore, so fine. 
Now I'm not angry at our <laughs> assistant <laughs> producer provoking Greg Brady anymore. That's live email checking happening yeah, on the Gridiron Show. Just for you. I'm so gassy today. Yeah, I quite like this. So I'm going to check out some Ezra Furman. I'll, I'll send you some uh, some tracks to check out. Sure. He's, he's well worth a look in. It was his biggest gig he's ever played, and he was really, really kind of emotional about it. Oh, in a really good where's way. he from? Uh, Ohio, I want to say. Oh, okay. Yeah. Columbus yeah. comes to mind. A crew fan. Uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> the worst badge in <laughs> soccer history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good, very good. Uh, how have you been, Ollie? Just uh, been working, really. It feels like. You're not here to, with the Around the NFL guys tomorrow, and I'm very sad. I know. I'd completely forgotten that I'd taken the time off work. Uh, it's all very, very dull, but I'm going up to Norwich to see my niece. I haven't seen her in about six months. So, therefore, uh, they've changed her nursery time for me to, to then spend the day with them. And then I was like, oh, God, yeah. Because you're not allowed to pick her up from nursery, of course. No, not anymore. Not after the court order. Not after that, that, uh, that time. But, um, so, I won't be here tomorrow. I'm trying to blag getting to spend the day with the around the NFL guys on Friday but I've got my latest DM with one of them says I owe you man so does that does that count so with what it's the one who's not been replying to us this week I'm very disappointed about it yeah yeah but this is a a DM from a while ago and he says oh I can't remember what it was for he just says I owe you man well there you go I reckon that's something (laughs) that's you're going to use it to blackmail him into hanging out with you well, it works way, for everybody else. It's the only way you get on emails and stuff, is it? Oh, I've been on no emails. <laughs> uh, what was the thing that I missed out today? Yeah, another thing I wasn't on an email. Oh, for. just doing some filming for our friends at Red Zone Sports. That's yeah. all. It's not wasn't exciting, and I had right. to do it straight after a night shift and feeling very tired. Well, serves you right. Uh, let's talk some football, shall we? Yeah, what's the news? What is the news, Ollie? That's a great question. Uh, we talked, obviously, about the Khalil Mack trade on the last show, and I absolutely love that uh, Amari Cooper has been speaking out uh, after... Essentially, this trade makes it look like John Gruden is completely out on the existing Raiders roster. And there are apparently rumours that he has already uh, vocalised the fact a number of times that he's that he thinks they're a few years away from being a good team again. And if you really think about it, in theory, in that situation, the justification in his mind is Khalil Mack is 27. I don't believe in the rest of this roster. Is he still going to be good enough when he's 30 that it justifies us still paying him £24 million a year? Or should I be looking to reinvest in building my squad now? I kind of get that. I still think it was the wrong decision, but I kind of get it. Raiders fans aren't happy. Seems like the Raiders players aren't happy either. Amari Cooper's come out and said we might have to uh, go out there and score on every single possession now in order to win games. Amazing. Throwing a bit of shade, <laughs> throwing a bit of shade on his own defense. Uh, I think he was talking specifically about the game with the Los Angeles Rams because that is they, they had uh, a league high average twenty nine point nine points per game, forty five percent of their drives resulting in an offensive score. So they they were an offensive juggernaut last year. It's it was going to be interesting to see if the Rams come back to the pack a little bit this season, but actually. I'm kind of feeling like Monday Night Football isn't going to be the best example of whether that's going to happen or not. No. I I feel like Mini Gruden's going to be getting one over on Big Gruden on Monday. I really hope so. (laughs) Good. I really hope so. You really hate John Gruden, don't you? I don't know why. I don't know why it's this... I think... The animosity is palpable. I think it's... I really disliked his commentary style or his analysis style and it just it got on my nerves this guy is one of the greatest guys I've ever seen he is one of the best people you want at that moment in this time that's I've not never seen anyone better yeah, I, don't, I think that's pretty good mm. thanks somewhat impressed yeah. uh, the, uh, it was very much like that in his last season in particular oh. and I feel like he knew that he was going back to the NFL and so started just sucking up to everyone he just could not be asked. yeah I didn't like it. Had a little flash up on my phone. Go on. News story on the New England Patriots. Oh, it's just about... Tom Brady out for season. Tom Brady says he's learning how to better deal with drama surrounding Patriots. Mm. (laughs) Boring. Boring. Bore off. News flash. Bore off, you bore. Uh, Le'Veon Bell will not play week one. Oh, no. Probably. Uh, I'm sorry I cast shade on you in the... Gridiron star fantasy, but when you had the number one overall pick and you took Lev Bell, I thought, oh, I don't think he's seen the news that he's not signed his franchise tender yet. But I won't say anything. And then 
we had to restart the draft due to clerical errors Josh and Matt absolute shambles uh, absolute shambles and you made the same pick again and I had to say come on mate I why just didn't, didn't you take know. Todd Gurley? Why didn't you take Todd I would have Todd taken Gurley? Todd Gurley. Yeah, 100%. Um, I just didn't know. Le'Veon Bell, uh, yet to re- sign his reported 14.54 million franchise tender, still looking for a long-term deal. Uh, and now he's getting some... Uh, after his agent has been throwing some shade at the Steelers, he's getting a little bit of stick back from within the organisation. There are some players on his own roster, and most specifically the guys who deal with him directly who aren't happy with this <laughs> on situation on the offensive line Ramon Foster one, oh. of, them, one oh. of the main ones what do you do here's a guy who doesn't give a damn I guess I guess so we'll all treat it as such I just hate it came to this he's making seven times what I make and twice as much as, as uh, Al, Villanueva Al Villanueva is making and we're the guys who do it for him love it Absolutely love the Ramon Foster. <laughs> Ramon, I really liked Ramon Foster when he came over to London ahead of the Steelers' last playing here. He was a very forthright human being when we spoke to him then, and that, that has not satiated in any way by the looks of it. Um, yeah, this could be Steeler implosion and very early doors, which would be funny. <laughs> I don't know. I think this is true. Uh, <laughs> Foster says, My mum died. I went to the funeral and came to camp the next day. Al has seen people die and has come and given his all to this team. That's obviously uh, Villanueva is the former Marine, isn't he, that came out and stood during the National Anthem and and caused all that uproar and then said he regretted it last year. So, um, yeah, it's not looking like a good situation in Pittsburgh. What happens to him? I think he'll be back by week two, week three. They'll roll out James Conner this week. It's the Browns who... The Steelers are only four-point favourites over them and people seem to be forgetting that the Browns have only won one game! in two years so I'm not worrying too much about it James Connor uh, James Connor who is a bit of a local hero already anyway will get the start and I think that's a and no don't bother looking he's been picked up in all of our fantasy leagues already I got him in one Dixon got him in most of the others Uh, the Seattle Seahawks finally have some good news on the defensive player front Earl Thomas announced on Wednesday morning uh, that he plans to report to the team on Thursday although still indicated his displeasure over how his contract situation has been handled he said I've worked my whole life for this I've never let my teammates city or fans down as long as I've lived and don't plan starting on it this weekend that being said the disrespect has been noted ooh there you go. Strong words from Earl Thomas. There is some um, some idea that he won't actually play in their opening game this weekend. Uh, Seattle uh, are playing, I think, on the, the Sunday night taking on... They're in the evening game taking on the Broncos. So there is some idea that he wouldn't be playing in that game. And that there has been, apparently... Mm-hmm. The Cowboys have upped their trade offer for Earl Thomas to a second-round pick. But the Seattle have said they want a first-round pick for him. I think that's stretching it, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. I agree with you. There we go. Shaquem Griffin, though, is going to start for the uh, for the Seahawks, a linebacker. Pete Carroll announced during his press conference on Wednesday. What a lovely story that I is. I mean, that, that's amazing. He must have really impressed in training camp, in the, the preseason games. And it just shows kind of hard work and all of that just it that is an amazing story isn't it yeah i mean it it is past you know it's all about taking the opportunity when it's there and kj wright is going to miss the week one with a a knee injury a knock that he took in uh, in training so that's it's one of those situations where it's he's not just gone out and simply grabbed that job there has been a, a an unfortunate situation for someone else that's opened up the opportunity but it is all about grabbing that opportunity yeah uh, and the only other really big news from this week, I don't think we've talked about it in pod form yet, have we, is uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, signing the Just Do It camp, signing to be the face of the Just Do It campaign for the, uh, for the 30th anniversary of that campaign with Nike and, uh, uh, and with the, let's be honest, pretty, uh, pretty emotive phrasing of that campaign of believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything we get some thoughts on that from um, coming up shortly from our guests as we mentioned earlier but ollie yeah, what was your uh, your take on this i think it's pretty amazing really um there's a lot of people saying that nike uh, uh, have got double standards and hypocrisy i know matthew said's written it in the times uh, i i i think it's a, a 
not a brave thing to do because obviously it's all calculated from Nike's point of view. Uh, Colin Kaepernick's getting well paid for it, but both are using uh, Nike are certainly using his platform to um, uh, to tap into a growing minority. Or I'm not even sure if it's a minority, but they're they're seeing they're they're, they're testing the waters, testing the market literally, and seeing how popular um, Kaepernick is and what they're doing and the way they're doing it and using it basically as face uh, and and that strap line I think was really really clever I, I like the idea of it I like the sentiment behind it I'm not sure entirely if the wording is is 100% correct but I've got no problems in any way with it well it's interesting that the NFL came out and made this statement about it which was it, it was a, a pretty pretty placid statement it wasn't like they really came out and promised anything but they did use Colin Kaepernick's name and they did were forthright about that so look, you'll hear my thoughts about that with our guests a little bit later on in the show so we will get to that shortly shall we talk about our divisions Ollie yeah which one should we do first I am leaving that up to you let's do the east let's do the NFC east Uh, who do you want to start with Ollie let's start with the Dallas Cowboys the Dallaska boys are they going to are they the worst team in this division? I think they could be. They might be, you know. Because, and, and now you've made me immediately talk about other teams, but the Giants have all those weapons and a, Ollie's favourite, sneaky good defence. Mm-hmm. The Eagles are the reigning Super Bowl champions and haven't seen a huge turnover in talent particularly. Washington, okay, people are going to be like, well, Alex Smith is a big downgrade on Kirk Cousins, but he's going to have all not all of those weapons back fit because obviously there's no Darius Geis but a lot of the weapons back fit who were missing last year for yep. Cousins a fit offensive line that when fit is very much one of the best lines in the league when they're operating at full pace and some interesting parts on defence whereas for the Cowboys I think a big improvement on the defensive side of the ball it feels like over recent times I'm not sure that Leighton Van Der Esch is ready to play in year one and I was disappointed with the style of linebacker they went for they're more of a kind of outside guy more of a pass rusher uh, hybrid guy whereas they really needed a general in the middle a Sean Lee type to do what happens when Sean Lee eventually inevitably gets injured but on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, they're essentially relying on Michael Gallup. They've been talking about Tavon Austin making, not being not just a gadget player, but touching the ball 25, 30 times a game. The offensive line without Travis Fredericks and, and various other injury worries to the likes of Lael Collins is going to be taking a big step backwards in terms of its talent and cohesiveness. If they can keep the, the quality of the offensive line play up, that will be absolutely key to them. But... The fact is, is that Dak Prescott had a bit of a down year last year. They've lost their two biggest receiving weapons. Mm. And so they are relying just on Ezekiel Elliott. And I think teams are just going to absolutely stack the box against them. It's weird. If you look at their roster, it's it it looks threadbare. Mm-hmm. I mean, a few backups here and there. They've got four tight ends for some reason, which is weird. But weird. I don't really know. They're, they're just a run team. They're a Zeke Elliott team, aren't they? I, I don't think any fantasy owner should ever pick up uh, Dak Prescott ever again. They've got nothing... <laughs> Strong. Well, not only for the for some of his views off-field, but also he doesn't... They don't really use Zeke that much in the passing game. And it looks like they're going all out for the run behind that offensive line, which has lost a few pieces. And then defensively without Sean Lee they're nothing the only player I really really like on it on their team is Demarcus Lawrence uh, Dayton Jones perhaps as well but uh, yeah saying that because he's ex-Green Bay 100% but um, (laughs) I think I think they could be in a a whole world of trouble with the rest of the teams like the Giants and Washington who are improving and the Eagles will be there and they're they're all thereabouts again I don't hate their secondary Byron Jones was a big playmaker two years ago he could get back to there again quite like Xavier Woods as well but they're not uh, let's not get too excited about them they're an improved defence they're not great defence so if they're the worst team in the division who are the second worst (laughs) I think think it could be Washington Mm -hmm. only because 
New York have got all of those offensive weapons back and that defence. They've got offensive weapons as well. I know. Paul Richardson, Josh Doxson, Jordan Reed, apparently very much in the clear from all his con- previous concussion problems. You know, okay, Adrian Peterson could be a great two down back and had a great third preseason game as long as they bring in some of those like Chris. Chris Roberts, Chris Robertson, who's the guy who catches the ball out of the backfield? I'm trying to remember his name, uh, but Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson, that's it. Uh, who I, who we loved last year? Who I did love last fair. year? I, I I think they look great on offense. I'm not saying they don't look great on offense, but if you're going to do a few little matchups, Odell Beckham versus Josh Doxson, you know Sterling Shepard versus Jameson Crowder, you know that kind of thing. But, but I would ra- take their, rather... I'd take their line over the Giants every day of the week, and you'd take the quarterback over the Giants every day of the week. Yes, hundred percent. Do you know what? I'm, maybe I'm talking myself out of it. I like what Washington are doing. Do I like the head coach? I like the head coach more than the New York Giants head coach. I mean, you can't judge the situation in New York yet because you don't know what it's going to be yet. I know, but. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I think it's really hard. That's that's a really hard one because. You don't know who... Yeah. Pat Shermer has been a great coordinator, hasn't yet elevated himself as a head coach at his previous locales. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I really like their linebackers. I like Foster. I like Brown. Um, I also quite like... uh, I mean, Ryan Kerrigan's a good pass rusher. Jonathan Allen uh, had a, a good... Pre-looking preseason and potential to be a big, big uh, push on that defensive side of the ball. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm. Washington might be. They're one of those kind of classic NFL teams. If it breaks right for them, they'll win ten. If it doesn't, they'll only win seven. But yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. You know, Josh Norman, Swearinger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think on the Giants' side of the ball? Um, do you think that Alec Ogletree? It's exactly the kind of player that Dallas should have gone out and signed. Yeah, I really like Alec Ogletree, and I and he fits that defense brilliantly. Kind of in behind Damon Harrison, who's such a great run stuffer in a division and in a league where there are going to be a number of teams that are going to try and run the ball on them. The Eagles, the Cowboys. I, I really like that. I like their secondary with Janoris Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, Eli Apple, if he's grown in a, from a maturity perspective, uh, Landon Collins is great. A great safety. So. There's every reason to be pretty positive on that side of the ball. Olivia Vernon is a uh, great outside guy. Yeah, I, I mean, what is then? And, and I quite like the Conor Barwin sign as well. I don't. There's not a lot not to like about what they've done this off season. Be interesting to see how Will Hernandez does early on, and whether they can finally get a run game with Saquon Barkley. And how much does Eli Manning? Because you know our feelings on Eli Manning. I think he's holding the team back at this point. How much does he hold the team back? when they've got that many weapons mm. Evan Ingram as well um, what about Barkley how do you feel about Barkley I mean I how love Saquon Barkley I mean we us being Penn State guys we are all of that Penn State yeah we love him coming out of Penn State and it, it was a almost a natural fit for him at New York but I, he, I think the jury's still out because from the practice games but you can't really evaluate how he, how well he is in in the practice how how, but, how good he is in the practice the Will Hernandez pick made me like the Squam Barkley pick even more I didn't like the fact that they didn't take a quarterback when they had an opportunity early because I do think Eli Manning is done but man could you see Saquon Barkley getting a lot of carries in year one and he has explosiveness and he is able to break tackles and when he gets into the open field his acceleration is unbelievable so there are lots of reasons to be really excited about the kind of big playability of Saquon Barkley Um, it is just whether or not if Manning isn't good even with the likes of Odell Beckham around him and Evan Engram and Sterling Shepard and everyone else, then do teams do like we were saying to Dallas and just absolutely stuff the run against them? I think the the situation with the, the Eagles, it's going to be interesting to see how Nick Foles deals early on, and we'll get onto that kind of game with the Falcons shortly. But once Carson Wentz is back, I'm so all in on Carson, Carson Wentz. They lost a few good players from that Super Bowl team, Patrick Robinson, Trey Burton... A couple of the kind of periphery players on uh, on offense as well, like Tory Smith and Garrett Blunt. But they brought in Michael Bennett. They brought in Haloti Nata, which are just unbelievable. Yeah. And the fact is, is they're bringing back in Carson Wentz, a guy who, before he tore his ACL in December, 
for me was the third best quarterback in the NFL at, at that point in the by that point in the season. Yeah, I don't just mean on that season performance. I mean if I was drafting, I might have taken Carson Wentz third overall. Yeah, uh, he was he was amazing. His, his mobility, the arm strength. Although saying that, they've they've been showing on Sky Sports Action. I think it is a, a review of the late the last Super Bowl and some of the throws, especially that first touchdown to Alshon Jeffrey that Nick Foles made was incredible effortless arm strength so Foles has got it and you know he's won he's won the Super Bowl and it's almost like when he's in a situation where he knows that he's got the job for a shorter amount of time especially from last the end of last season it he thrived in it and we may see that again at the beginning of this season because he knows that he is Carson Wentz is going to come back in He'll be playing out of his skin. I mean, who's to say that they don't all play out of their skin anyway? But do, do you know where I'm coming from? I yeah, think, I do. I, I do. think he. I think it's almost he's the perfect backup. The yeah, perfect I just. Backup. I, I I worry that there's going to be a bit of a fall from grace after that unbelievable playoff run. Uh, but you know what? If they lose two games and then Carson Wentz comes in, fine, whatever. What do you make of Jay Ajayi being the lead back, as as it says on the? on the depth chart on our lads I don't think he'll be the lead back I think it'll be much like they used it in the Super Bowl where they use a rotation of running backs and and we forget Jay Ajayi does you know came into league with those knee problems has been in and out of teams didn't get the bulk of the carries in that game and they've got Sproles back now and they used Corey Clement in much more running situations I expected in the Super Bowl I think he's the lead back as in he's the guy who'll be in probably on first and second down the majority of the time but I think you'll see a, a, a lot of the way that Doug Peterson loves to run that offense, and it'll be potentially different, obviously, with the change in coordinator with Mike Grow coming in. But I, the way he likes to run it is that he likes running backs that he can move out of the backfield, put them into catching situations, make the defense second guess where they're going to play, split them out wide so they get mismatches on the inside for the wide receivers, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And JHI isn't necessarily that kind of running back. Traditional banger he's more like right let's move on to the NFC South because otherwise we'll be here forever and uh, these guys have got lots of podcasts to listen to from us uh, coming up uh, in the not too distant future but first of all but before we do that the new season gets underway on Thursday and you can watch every single game the ultimate way to watch games is with NFL Game Pass highlights and NFL programs where and when you want including on Thursday the release of the final episode of Hard Knocks I've already seen it it's amazing watch oh, your favourite team live it. each week and tune into NFL Red Zone to never miss a touchdown can't watch live download highlights direct to your phone or tablet and catch up on the go there's always great NFL programs being added to our, our video library and the NFL network is streamed 24-7-365 and you can get in on the action check out NFLGamePass.com to start a free 7 day trial today so do it today you get the entire of week one for free and you can see whether you like it or not plus you can watch uh, your uh, your hard knocks and there's a bunch of British specific content on there including something from the around the NFL team which is going up tomorrow yep yep including a sit down with a bunch of British players including F.A. Abada Jay Ajayi Aiden Durden Durden the guy who's the, the yeah he's the um, coach at the Atlanta Falcons and Alex Gray doing like a round table with uh, with um, Neil Reynolds which I watched today and really enjoyed so um, Shaggy loads of good stuff to get on there loads of great stuff yeah yeah why yeah. did you just shout Shaggy that's his nickname Shaggy Gray ah right okay Alex Gray Alex Shaggy Gray great good work mate all right, let's talk about the NFC South then. Uh, and I think until the Khalil Mack trade, this was our favourite division in the NFC, right? I mean... Right? Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> have the same opinion as me, Ollie. You don't um, have to have the same opinion as me. Is it my favourite division? Yeah, I think it is my favourite division with the teams that are in there and... The, uh, I mean, the that's fact, normally why you like a no, division. No, but the, the fact that it's it's come from... It's come a long way from my first Super Bowl when I said to Matt Ryan it was the NFC disgrace hmm. and now it's almost the opposite the NFC brilliant 
Magnificent. Magnificent, I quite like. Nice. Magnificent. Let's start off with those Falcons. Top 10 defence in 2017, but everything was about Steve Sarkeesian and the direction they went in under him. I'm not so sure about all this idea of Matt Ryan. He gets much better in the second year under a coordinator because I think Sarkeesian's play calling was an issue last year, but they've now got Calvin Ridley to add to that already ridiculous ridiculous talent around him in Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman. I, uh, I'd i be amazed if the offense doesn't take a step up from last season. And the young, fast, physical defensive players that uh, old Dan Quinn likes to see drafted, similar to what they had in Seattle. I, I really like this Falcons team. I'd go on a limb. We haven't done our season predictions yet. But if they don't get to at least the NFC title game, it's a disappointment with the amount of talent on this roster. I think that's a great shout. I think I'm agreeing with you here because what they've got you is... You so often do, and I like it a lot. What they've got is <laughs> a head coach in Dan Quinn who has been there and done it twice now to, to, to that particular part of... Uh, to, to that point in the season. Um, they're... Their roster is absolutely stacked. If we just look at the running backs in Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, they know the system so well. They work brilliantly with Matt Ryan and everybody else. That that offensive line is actually a really good f- offensive line. I love Alex Mack in the centre there. Um, Julio is Julio. Just great stuff across the board. And then defensively, I love the front four. I love the front seven. I love the, the back seven. Uh, the, the back. <laughs> yeah, I love. They're all great. And then what they did with the the draft is kind of bring kids in or bring guys in to to back up their their stellar starters, and it kind of works. It's uh, just great. Trufon and Orford are a great pairing. Ricardo Allen, Keanu Neal is one of my favourite players in the league. I love the speed 22. you get from like, the likes of Dayon Jones. Uh, I think Tack McKinley could be a sack leader this year if you want to pick somebody out from last year's pass rushers to make a big step that's a great point because if you look at the rest of the line and who else is is there you've got Dion Jones as the middle linebacker but Devondre Campbell you've got Jarrett Grady uh, sorry Grady Jarrett um, (laughs) you always do that and I've never really got it I do you do you do do that and Vic Beasley as well who I also love yeah it's a Defensively, it's it's outstanding. If a team are going to challenge them at the top, then uh, it's going to be the Saints, surely. I mean, I mean, the Panthers are good, but that kind of finally getting that that winning mentality back in New Orleans and their draft class last, last year was unbelievable. When you really think about it, Alvin Kamara and Marshall Lattimore, the first time that one team had the offensive and defensive rookie in the year in the same year, but Ryan Ramchick was excellent. Marcus Williams had an unbelievable season and they made one bad mistake in their final playoff game and and that's what he will be remembered for. He has a chance to come out from that early. I like the line. I obviously love Drew Brees. A slight weakening in terms of their weapons, although it'd be interesting to see what Cameron Meredith does over an entire season. And I adore Michael Thomas. Um, Honestly, the only thing I don't like about this team is that they moved, they moved up to go and get Marcus Davenport and they spent money on, they spent picks on Teddy Bridgewater as well. That suggests that they are all in on this Super Bowl window, which is great. I'm not so sure about the Davenport pick. That's the only one I'm not. If Why? he comes out, if he comes out and he's an absolute stellar superstar pass rusher, then fine. They just gave up so much to go and get him at a point where it was only in the kind of middle of the first round. Mm. I get that they wanted somebody to be on the other side of Cam Jordan, and that's great. And Cam Jordan can then be much more of an edge setter while Davenport gets after the uh, the quarterback. I'm Could just Cam Jordan be a sack leader. Uh, can, I don't know if he's that kind of... Even though he does get after the quarterback, and we've seen him do that plenty, he's such a utility guy that I don't think you just send him after the quarterback every single play. But pretty much every single play that he went after the quarterback, he managed to get a tackle for loss on the running back. Or a hurry. A hurry or deflection or, or a sack. He was a, he wrecking, be- he was a wrecking ball last year. He had his best year in terms of sacks last year with 13, outdoing his 2013 season. Could he improve on that this year? With Davenport opposite, opposite him, if he's a success, then yeah, maybe. 
Maybe he could. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't like necessarily what they do, what they've got going on at tight end. They brought in Benjamin Watson. They've got the, the perennial Josh Hill. Obviously let go Kobe Felina, who was a, a dreadful acquisition. A shambles. Absolute shambles. But the fact, they were still a good team on offense last year. And the fact that they don't have that that included Kobe Felina. Maybe maybe that maybe I'm reading too much into it and I, I shouldn't be worried about what they do at tight end. I just like the tight end position. What can I do? For the the Panthers are for me the the, the team that I struggle to predict the most because the talent is obviously there. Ron Rivera has shown he can be a good coach. North Turner has shown that he can get the best out of offenses. DJ Moore looks great. Christian McCaffrey has a potential to grow this year. CJ Anderson being much more of a between-the-tackles banger. The line is probably, over the last two years, the best it's been in the last five or six years. If they can, if they become just a pure running team and Cam Newton scrambles and CJ Anderson and Christian McCaffrey run the ball plenty and they, and they put together an interesting offense, then they've got a chance because we all know about their defensive weapons. We all know about their linebackers. We all know about what they have, the excitement that they can offer in that area. I just think they're the team that I struggle most to see exactly how this season's going to go. Feels a little bit boom or bust, maybe. Do you think that with Anderson coming in, who is an upgrade on Jonathan Stewart, the fact that they've got Curtis Samuel as, w- as well, we'll see a lot of three at the back there with McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel, McCaff- and a lot of two at the back also with McCaffrey and CJ Anderson. Yeah, as well. I think we'll see a lot of 22 personnel. I think we'll see a lot of 21 personnel, a lot of two running back sets, a lot of two running backs, two tight ends, a lot of stuff like that, a lot of heavy set lines. That's why I like the CJ Anderson pickup because it reminds me of their Super Bowl run year where they eventually lost to the Denver Broncos. But I think they, they can look offensively like that in theory. I just want to see it. I trust the Saints and the Falcons more than I do the Panthers right now. I'll tell you what, they've got... The NFC South has a really tough schedule up ahead where into division, into conference, they face the NFC East. And yeah. then into, you know... Um, intra-conference. Intra-conference, they go to the, um, uh, to the AFC North. Ooh. So... <laughs> oh... I mean, you're facing the Steelers that play hard and the the Ravens that play hard. Lots of people think the Bengals will be much improved this year. The Browns and the will Browns. be improved. So they can't not be. It's it's that that's why they are so hard to predict the the Panthers because you're right. Like in in principle, what they're doing does it all come together? And when you've got such a tough schedule, then. Will it have the time and the room to come together? Is there anything about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that makes you buy into them? No. I don't even buy into any of their their weapons that they had over the last couple of years, like Mike Evans or... There's um, play- there are players from a talent perspective that I love yeah. on that team. Vernon Hargreaves, Mike Evans, some of the um, the, the defensive line players, Vinnie Curry, I really love. Vita Vea, um, who missed the entire preseason, but is is a... I really liked him as a signing. Gerald McCoy is brilliant. I just don't trust the coaching at all. That's it. It's all about that coaching. That uh, It's another Tennessee Titans situation where they kept on Mike Malarkey for too long. They've kept on Dirk Cutter at least... Well, they've kept him on a season too long as well. He could be the first coach to go. They don't have Jameis Winston for the first... Is it four games or two four games? Four games, yeah. So the first four games... I really like OJ Howard, but they didn't utilize him enough last year. Maybe it was the first year for a tight end. I really thing like Chris Godwin as well. Up. So see, there are players there that we like, but we just don't. And they don't like trust Chris them. Godwin as well. That's the interesting part. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I I think they're the worst team in the division. Sadly, I, sorry, Tampa Bay. And I don't. I'm not sure that it's even that close. Oh, buddies. Yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, before we get on to our Colin dreadful Kaepernick uniforms. stuff, before <laughs> they are dreadful, hashtag, hashtag get watch. Before we get on to uh, our... We've, we kind of talked about the Falcons and Eagles as their overall look for the season. What do you think is going to happen in the opening game? It's crazy because... I think the Falcons for the upset. 
Yeah. I'm picking Atlanta. Picking Atlanta to go in there and hush down the Eagles and their and their big noise. I think that Foles hasn't looked great in the preseason. The Eagles have had lots of skill position problems. I know that that front seven is absolute insanity and did an amazing job at setting down the Falcons' run game in that in that NFC uh, playoff game, but. I fancy the Falcons to go in there and uh, and get the minor surprise, but surprise nonetheless. It's it's almost a coin flip for me, but the fact that the fact that the the I'm Falcons. Very today. I know. I'm sorry. I think the fact that the Falcons are are underdogs will really really suit them going in and trying to upset the apple cart. I think it's the perfect time to play. Maybe the they Eagles. should all wear rubber dog masks. That's what they should do, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it's ever been done before. No. but It's a great idea. Yeah, I, and it's a really catchy idea and not annoying in any way. Am I right? You're right. Yeah. And when you're right? I'm right. And you're me? Right. You're always, always right. right. But yeah, I think they, they'll go in there and upset the apple cart and... The, the, it's it's a fantastic matchup. It's a really great matchup. I'm looking forward to asking the guys tomorrow where they're actually going to be watching that game because I'd be imp- I'd be interested to see whether any of them are planning to stay up till 4:30 a.m. and get the proper British American football experience. Are you going to invite them to come in the studio and watch it with you? Is that what you're going to do? Um, are you going to be back from Norwich the same night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just checking. It's not far. It's only two hours. Couldn't miss you for the opener, buddy. No, no, no. I'm coming back. I'm live on TalkSport. Ollie is going to be with me, doing updates on the game, and just generally being a sexy mother trucker. Yeah. You know it. And it's going to be a great night. It's going to be a fantastic night. Can't wait. All. Can't wait. Uh, Colin Kaepernick stuff coming up, but Ollie, we're going to do our outro now and then just play the stuff off TalkSport from last okay. night. So, Ollie, any final thoughts? If you have any question ideas or season predictions that you want some of the guys from around the NFL to to answer or be involved in, at Gridiron for us, please, on Twitter. I sound like a, a trapped boy. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just sent me a link to this. It's partridge in your pocket. This is amazing. Oh, I'm a massive fan of this. You mean partridge in your pocket? It's just so you can play out... Cooking in prison. <laughs> I'm wrestling with Chaz and Dave. Oh, that's great. Alan, Alan, Alan attack. <laughs> uh, good. That's going to provide me a lot of fun. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Tomorrow, the heroes are on board. Friday, we'll preview the weekend's games. Don't forget, the college podcast is out now as well, the latest edition of Ooh, which is it? Reviewing like week one of the season. Uh, I edited that today. Some really great stuff from the guys. So that's already out now. Have you sorted Get out those issues? involved. Hmm? Have you sorted out the issues? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've sorted out the issues. The sound quality is as good as it's going to be, which is good with occasional moments of annoyance. Uh, (laughs) I'll let you figure out. basically me. I'll I'll figure out. (laughs) Very good. Uh, So, otherwise, thank you very much for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show. Enjoy the Colin Kaepernick chat. Uh, Talk Sport Extra Time, Will Gavin with you throughout this morning. Uh, We've been talking about this new Nike deal uh, with Colin Kaepernick to be the face of their 30th anniversary of their Just Do It campaign. Powerful slogan, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. There has been a backlash from certain sectors of the American public. Hashtag Just Burn It was was trending on Twitter, as was hashtag Boycott Nike. We've talked about the... Uh, about Nike's side of things, uh, about the branding element, but there is obviously the wider socio-political conversation, one we have been having for for two years now across this show and our and our NFL coverage. But this does bring this conversation back to the forefront again, where many believe it needs to be. So, uh, joining us now to look more at that side of this is uh, uh, Robert uh, Latal, now joining the show, CEO of Black Sports Online. Very good morning to you, Robert. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me on. No, no, we really appreciate your time. And, and look, I'm going to be somebody who, because of where I sit on the, the political spectrum, will have to play a little bit of devil's advocate in this conversation, Robert. But mm-hmm. I, I, just to start off with, what was your initial reaction when you saw this, this new campaign from Nike fronted by Colin Kaepernick? I was a little surprised. Um, I, you know, by making that decision, Nike really put their you know, feet to the fire 
Uh, so I must say that I was surprised that they came out so strongly uh, behind Colin Kaepernick because these days, if you make that type of decision, uh, you're putting yourself squarely in the crosshairs of, of President Trump um, and the Republican Party, the MAGA uh, base. And so I was a little surprised that they were willing to, to, to take that type of risk and be so strongly behind Colin Kaepernick. And then I think it's because of, for me, the the boldness of the choice of the campaign, because they could have put this campaign out at any point in the last six or seven months just as a as a general Nike campaign, and it would have still made massive headline news. But to be the anniversary of such a uh, an iconic slogan of such an iconic campaign in the first place, it's uh, it certainly grabbed the attention, it's fair to say. Right. I mean, you have to understand that the NFL and uh, Colin Kaepernick are going through a collusion case. Uh, the NFL season starts in a couple of days. Uh, it was definitely pre-planned. I mean, it, this was done uh, with the NFL in mind, and I think a lot of people were uh, surprised by it because the Nike and the NFL have a long-term partnership with apparel and jerseys now, um, and they've taken the side of Colin Kaepernick where the NFL over the past uh, two to three years that have done nothing but seem to blackball uh, Colin Kaepernick. So I think that's why a lot of people were surprised by it because of the relationship uh, that the NFL and Nike has, that they would be so strongly, as you said, um, in Colin Kaepernick's corner with this campaign. So it's a calculated risk that we're already seeing major, uh, you know, reactions to. I've been kind of fortunate enough that doing the job that I do to, to have these conversations with players like Malcolm Jenkins with players like Jared Cook with players like uh, um, Cameron Jordan in, in New Orleans as well players who have chosen to continue to, to protest during the national anthem whether it's kneeling whether it's raising a fist in the air linking arms whatever the, the, their their choice is and it's interesting we did have a statement come out from the NFL after uh, this Nike campaign came out saying that the social justice issues raised by Colin Kaepernick deserve our attention uh, and action but it, it it felt like it was a placation thing rather than there were there was no there were no strong messages coming out of this conversation Right. They were playing it, you know, they're trying to play both sides of the street, which is very difficult consider a lot of the actions that they've taken um, before this. But it does make me think that the NFL understands that possibly they're on the wrong side of history. And when they did try to placate uh, Donald Trump, uh, it didn't work. He continued to bash them. He continued to bash the players and everything. So maybe they're coming around uh, very, very slowly to the fact that they handled this situation uh, wrong with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, they're too stubborn, of course, to admit that publicly, but I think that statement where they, they specifically said his name is maybe a step in the direction of saying, hey, you know, we really bungled this. Uh, to that point of playing devil's advocate then, some of the backlash and some of the, the, the conversations that have, have come out online, the, the, the slogan itself is an initial talking point, believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything. Throughout this entire time, one of the perceived knocks against Colin Kaepernick has been this idea of, well, it's easy with your $40 million contract you got from the San Francisco 49ers to when you're not getting back into football to know that you've got that sum of money and that you are speaking out from a point of privilege. Do you think that the slogan does bring that part of the conversation back into this? And is it a valid conversation to have? Well, you know, sacrifice is can be taken a lot of different ways. When you wanted to do something your entire life and you achieved it and you had it taken away from you uh, just for wanting people to be treated equally in the end of police brutality, uh, that is a sacrifice. I mean, anybody has their career taken. It doesn't matter if you're a football player, a doctor, a lawyer, a garbage man. If someone takes your job away for you trying to do the right thing, that's a sacrifice. Uh, as, a, as, as a part of him getting paid, uh, for whatever reason, African-Americans, if they're activists, uh, for whatever reason, people want them to be broke and not have money. There's nothing. There's no law that says you can't be an activist and still, you know, put food on the table and provide for your family and, and make money and live a good life. Uh, so I, I don't really understand that. We don't see that from any politicians, uh, rich politicians. We don't say, hey, you know, so you're a politician, you're, you're servant to the people. You shouldn't have any money. They're rich and nobody says anything about it. So I think that's a, a bit, uh, a, lo a lot of hypocrisy in that. The other side of things that people will always uh, will always highlight, and yeah, we saw a lot of players speaking out at, 
in favour of Colin Kaepernick, in favour of the campaign. It's clearly a groundswell within the players, within the league of, of support of this campaign and support of the, the entire conversation about protesting. But the idea that Colin Kaepernick isn't in the league, not because he's been blackballed over his political views, but actually he wasn't particularly good at the job he was doing. I'm a 49ers fan and I can tell you it was a very up and down time when he was playing quarterback regardless of what he was doing before or after the the the, the you know the whistle's blown. There is the, there are those people who go well, yeah but we've got to say he wasn't in the league because he wasn't very good. Well, I think the the pushback to that is that even Callan Kaepernick at his worst is better than some of the guys that you see backing up teams now, even some of the starters. You have someone in Buffalo, Nate Peterman, uh, that's going to start a going to start the season as their number one guy, and, and he threw five interceptions in a half. So, I mean, you see the backups around the league. You see the the people that are getting the opportunity, the quarterbacks that are continually getting opportunities. The the Chase Daniels, the Brandon Wheatons of the world, even on Colin Kaepernick's worst day. Uh, he's better than a lot of these guys. So, yes, he's not Tom Brady. Uh, you know, he's not Drew Brees. He's not Aaron Rodgers. But he's definitely one of the top 64 quarterbacks uh, in the NFL. I Personally, I am more disappointed to see a player like Eric Reed, who was uh, Colin Kaepernick's teammate in San Francisco and plays at a position, for people who aren't so familiar, plays at safety, defensive back, one of the guys that defends against the pass. And I'd argue he's in, you know, the top, 25 to, to 50 percent of players in the league and yet he doesn't have a job right and, and actually like you said they may be even a more egregious case because he's in his prime he's not coming off a bad year he's a young guy that plays multiple positions it's a passing league so defensive backs and safeties that are versatile are in high demand yet he doesn't uh, have a job and really the only reason why is his affiliation with Colin Kaepernick and the fact that he would not say that he w- wouldn't protest uh, this year. He, he, he shouldn't be asked about that. So all of these things show me that the NFL have been very clear uh, about how they feel about protest and how they feel about blackballing uh, players. It's hard to prove in court, but the court of common sense and public opinion, I think, are in Colin Kaepernick's and Eric Reed's favor. Where do you think this conversation, how do you think this conversation can move on? How do you think this can come to a a resolution over the coming year, two years, where we can get to a point that, yeah, everyone's happy? It doesn't feel like that's ever going to happen, but, you know, how can we move this conversation forward? I think here in the States, I think the one thing that has happened is that we've realized what happens uh, when we get lazy uh, with our political uh, responsibilities. We can see what happens when we let hate and anger and division rise up. So what we want to do, I would hope, and I won't say, of course, everybody would never be happy, uh, but I think as we get to these upcoming elections uh, for the Senate and the House and then obviously the presidential election in 2020, we're going to have to make a decision as a country which way we're going to continue to go. Is this a blip uh, you know, in our history that we can say, hey, this was a turning point and we realize that, hey, we have to be better than this, or are we going to keep going down this, you know, rabbit hole where things are only going to get worse? Uh, so, you know, within the next two to four years, I think we're going to have our answer. I really appreciate your time, Robert. Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with us. Uh, that's Robert Little joining us, CEO of Black Sports Online. I, I do think it's a fascinating conversation, and for those people, there will be people, and I, I'm used to it, I get it by now, that will say, oh, Will's talking about American sports again. Don't want to listen to that. Not bothered by it. Don't care. Only want to hear about football. The point is, is that this is a wider conversation about politics in sport, about whether or not a sports person should use their platform to push a political agenda, whichever side of things it's on, to push for equality, whether coming from a position of privilege, you can represent those who aren't in a position of privilege. And that's a conversation which can apply to any area of life. So I'm really interested to hear what your thoughts are. 08717 22 text 810.